0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day.
1: Alright, Popeyes here! Put your hands on your heads! Get off the barn, get on the wall! What's my
2: name? Popeye Doyle. If he doesn't like you, he'll take you apart. And it's all perfectly legal because Doyle fights dirty.
1: Wanna take a ride there, fat man?
2: And plays rough.
1: Anybody want a milkshake? Doyle is bad news, but he's a good cop. We're going now. Bye. How many times have I been down hard it looked up and saw him smiling like a shining dime? Yeah.
2: And hoped that he would stay and tell me why he was so happy if he had. A Who is that clown? Uh,
1: Jewish lucky. What about the last of the big time spenders? You make him? No, are you? spreading it around like the russians are in jersey they say we stick around and give them a tail our friend's name is boca salvatore boca b-o-c-a From well, downtown they're pretty sure he pulled off a contract on a guy named demarco that's not a drop i'll open up a charge for you in bloomingdale's b-o-c-a doesn't make and then on our own after working a whole day and night we tail him Brooklyn, and we sat on him for practically a week now who do we come up with
2: the french connection A millionaire exporter with a record too clean to be true, and Doyle knows it. But he's been known to make mistakes.
1: Your hunches have backfired before, Doyle.
2: This time, he can't afford to be wrong.
1: hasn't gone down. I, I I know it hasn't. I can I can feel it. I'm dead certain. Last time you're dead certain, we went the dead cop. All right, let's hit him. Hit him! All right, nobody move! Put your hands in the air!
2: The stake oh, It's me, it's me. The payoff. The
1: chase. Don't stop. Hey, Colt, you all right?
2: Connection. Hey
0: there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie The French Connection from 1971. The studio was 20th Century Fox, the release date was October 7th, 1971. The running time, 104 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget 1.8 million and the box office was a smash, made around 41 million, making it the fourth-ranked movie of 1971. That would be the equivalent of 287 million today. It was a huge smash at the time. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 97% fresh from 87 reviews. Their consensus is realistic, fast-paced, and uncommonly smart. The French Connection is bolstered by stellar performances by Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider, not to mention William Friedkin's thrilling production. Roger Ebert at the time gave it four out of four stars. Now, I don't have the original review, and I don't like reading revised reviews, as the original take is always more fun to revisit. But Ebert did say in 1971 that it was one of the best films of the year. Now, I don't remember exactly when I saw the original Friends Connection, but it was probably on television when I was a teenager. But I was enthralled about how real the film seemed, and this would have been probably in the late 80s or early 90s when I saw the film. Now, I can only imagine how audiences felt when they first saw the film in 1971. And it's really why the film is considered one of the finest of the 1970s and the genre. And considering how many truly legendary films came out in the early 70s, it says something about the filmmakers and the actors and the French connection. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So, the film is based on a true case that took place in New York City during the 1960s and lasted two years. The real case involved many different law enforcement agencies. However, the filmmakers decided to consciously limit the French connection to just two agencies, the New York Narcotics Bureau, which is no longer active, and the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Popeye Doyle and Buddy Russo are based on two real detectives named Eddie Egan and Sonny Grasso, and they were two key members when breaking the real case and were vital as consultants to make sure this film was authentic as possible. Filming-wise, director William Friedkin said he was inspired by two films in particular, both which happened to be French. Breathless from 1960 by Jean-Luc Godard, and the 1969 film called *Z* by Carster Garavas. So none of the scenes on The French Connection were shot on sets. All the scenes were filmed on real locations, which, without a doubt, led to an authenticity rarely seen in films up to this point. And in some cases... The locations were the same spots where the real incidents occurred. It really was guerrilla-style filmmaking, essentially, especially considering the proper permits were not obtained before shooting. Freakin began as a documentary filmmaker, which is likely why he was picked for the French Connection, because the way the film is shot is very much in the documentary style. He did direct a few feature films prior to The French Connection, including a spoof film with Sonny and Cher, but The French Connection was his breakout hit. His next film would be another classic, two years later, The Exorcist. For the main villain, Freakin' originally wanted to work with an actor that he didn't know the name of, but this actor had worked often with director Louis Boonwell. This actor was Francisco Rabal, however the casting director believed Freakin' meant Fernando Rey. And it wasn't until Ray showed up on the set to film that Freakin realized his error. However, Rabal didn't speak a word of English, and he wasn't available anyway. As it turned out, Ray was the perfect accident. Part of the reason Freakin wanted Francisco Rabal was because the person the character was based on was rough-looking. He was an unrefined drug dealer, whereas Fernando Ray was very dapper and suave and played the character like a genius mastermind. Freakin was looking for almost a Sherlock Holmes and a Professor Moriarty type of vibe, but done in a gritty modern way. Freakin actually went out with Eddie Egan and Sonny Grasso on drug bus and knew their personalities and the way they talked, and was able to almost create a film without a set screenplay. As a matter of fact, Freakin hadn't even read the book which the film was based on, which was written by Robin Moore and published in 1969. For Gene Hackman, this was a huge opportunity for him, as it was the first film where he received top billing. Hackman's agent told him about the role, but she mentioned it was unlikely that he would get the Popeye Doyle part, as William Friedkin wanted a complete unknown and not a star for the role. However, Hackman, though he had been in various films prior, including Bonnie and Clyde, well, he wasn't a big name at the time either. And though not a complete unknown, he wasn't a household name. Amazingly, Hackman didn't read or audition for the part. He met with Friedkin And the next day, he was told he got the job, which absolutely thrilled Hackman. Like Friedkin, Hackman and Roy Scheider spent a few weeks going out with Eddie Egan and Sonny Grasso when they were on the job to pick up the traits the roles called for. Hackman said it was very difficult at first to play the Popeye Doyle role because he didn't want to simply imitate Eddie Egan. But he wanted to get the essence and toughness of Egan. So it took him a while for him to really get into the part. Plus, Hackman's personality is completely different from Egan and, frankly, Popeye Doyle, which really shows what a great actor Hackman is. After the success of The French Connection, Hackman's career really took off and never wavered until his retirement. At the time, Roy Scheider was auditioning for a Broadway play, and the play called for an actor six feet tall. Well, Scheider was five foot ten, but told the director he could pull it off if he wore boots or whatnot. So Scheider read three times for the part, and each time the casting director asked how tall he was, and each time Scheider gave the same response. But the third time, Scheider was fed up and let the director have it, and threw the script into the seats and walked off stage. Unbeknownst to Scheider, the casting director for this play was also the casting director of The French Connection. And the outburst Scheider gave the play director made an impression on the casting director, who recommended him for the part of Buddy to William Friedkin. And that's how he got the part. It is always a small world. While Eddie Egan was a firebrand, over-the-top, tough-guy cop, Sonny Grasso was much more refined and low-key. He was very tough as well, but he was more calculated and quiet. The differences between Egan and Grasso is what made their partnership work so well. Scheider took what he saw from Grasso and implemented it perfectly into the buddy role. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins in Marseille, and where we find an undercover French detective following a notorious drug smuggler and legitimate shipyard owner named Alain Charnay, played by Fernando Rey. Marseille was known as the epicenter for refining heroin for distribution. The detective is eventually ambushed and shot in the face and killed by Charnay's henchman named Pierre Nicoli, played by Marcel Bazufi. We're then taken to Brooklyn and we're introduced to two New York detectives Jimmy Popeye Doyle, played by Gene Hackman, and Buddy Russo, played by Roy Scheider, who goes by the nickname of Cloudy. Doyle is undercover dressed in a Santa suit, while Buddy is acting as a street hot dog vendor. Hey.
1: What's your name,
3: little
0: boy? Eric. Uh
1: huh, Eric. What do you want
3: for Christmas, Eric? Hmm? Daddy Light 500.
1: You've been good, little boy.
3: Yeah.
1: Have you? Good. You like Santa Claus, huh? now. You like Santa Claus, right? All right. Let's sing a little song. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle, bell, jingle all the way. Oh, I bust you. Get over Let me bust you. I want to bust you. I want to bust you. Don't no. Let me talk oh, to him. Let me talk to you. You got a friend here, a You got a friend. You going to tell us who your man is? When's the last time you picked a feet, Willie? <laughs> Who's your connection, Willie? What's his name? What? No. Answer him. No. No, man. No. Hey, no. Is it Joe the Barber? What? Joe the Barber, right? No. That's who it is, isn't it? Now, don't give us any shit. What's Joe's last name? I don't know, man. Give it a chance. Just give it You give me know, I know. on 125th Street, man, above the barbershop. What side of the street do you live on? North or south? North or south? I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know... I'm asking not... you what side of the street he lives on! Hey, shithead. When's the last time you picked your feet, huh? Yeah, what's he talking about? I've got a man in Poughkeepsie who wants to talk to you. You ever been to Poughkeepsie? Huh? Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? Hey, man. Come on, give me a break. here. let's on, you talk, on, talk about this. Let me hear you say it. Come on. Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? You've been in Poughkeepsie, haven't you? I want to hear it! Come on! Yes, yes. yes I've, I've been. You've been there, right? Yeah. You sat on the edge of the bed, didn't you? You took off your shoes, put your finger between your toes, and picked your feet, didn't you? That's it. That. Yes! All right. You want to see him, my partner. You know what that means? God damn it! All went along, I got to listen to him gripe about his bowling scores. Now, I'm going to bust your ass for those three bags, and I'm going to nail you for picking your feet in Poughkeepsie.
0: Doyle and Buddy's line of questioning was simply to confuse the suspect and catch him off guard, and get him to come clean about something he actually did or knew. Buddy was slashed before he and Doyle caught up to the guy. That night, Doyle and Buddy go to a nightclub to unwind. However, that's never possible with Popeye Doyle, as he notices a few gangsters at a table, especially Sal Boca, played by Tony LoBianco, who is the biggest spender of anyone at that club, which must mean there's some sort of deal or connection that is in the works.
2: What about the last of big-time
1: spenders? You making? him? No, are you? He's spreading it around like the Russians are in Jersey. Nice. They say we stick around and get the tail. Come on, just for fun. Undertale. Grease her with the plants. What for? You want to play hide the salami with his old lady? Ask about those boots there. Monica. When the hell's that? Don't keep score. Hey. Kissy he devil, isn't he? <laughs> well, they're all cousins, you know that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, say goodbye. Come on. What's he got now? Hudson Terraplane, that's what he got. No, no. Uh-huh. Easy, easy. Okay. Go to work. Howdy. Lay
0: takes us to take him, too. do take Popeye. nothing. In real life, Eddie Egan and Sonny Grosso broke the case in the same way, spotting someone they didn't recognize spending lots of money and hanging out with known gangsters. This led them to start following the high roller on a hunch, and things snowballed from there. Doyle and Buddy tail Sal Boca's car and wait outside the restaurant they followed him to until the morning. At 7 a.m., Boca and his mistress, or is she, leaves the restaurant and the stakeout continues. Doyle believes multiple drug drops are in progress. And by the way, one of the signals of the undercover cops at the time was to put a straw hat in the back seat window. This would inform the other cops on duty what was going on. We go back to France and learn of a deal where Chardonnay and Nicoli are going to have a French... TV personality named Henry Devereux, played by Frederick De Pasquale, to have him smuggle drugs into New York for them. Devereux is in financial trouble and he needs the money. We don't know yet how much he'll be smuggling in. Devereux doesn't even realize what he's actually going to be part of. Back in New York, we find out Sal runs a small cafe with his wife Angie. They both have criminal records though. Buddy believes the store is a front for a big-time drug operation, as they both are living way above their means if they were supposed to be small business owners. Buddy and Doyle continue to monitor everywhere Sal goes outside of the cafe. In his usual way, Doyle busts into a bar, notorious for low-level crooks and dealers, in order to get some information. Doyle also has an undercover informer who hangs out at the bar.
1: (laughs) here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the barn. Get on the wall. Come on, move. Move. Come on, sweetheart, move. Come on, move out. All right, come on. Face the window. Move. Face the come wall. On, turn around there. Turn around. Move. Come on, move. Hands out of your pockets. Turn, turn around. around. Turn around. Come on, you come on. Turn around. Come on, man. Come on, turn around. Get on the wall. Get on. Get turn around. Get turn around. Hey. You drop that. Pull those up. hands up. Pick it up. Come on, move. What are you looking at? All right, bring it here. Get your hands out of your pockets. What's my name? Doyle. What? Mr. Doyle. Come here. you pick your feet? Huh? Do you Get over there. Get your hands on your head. Hold you? up. We told you people were coming back. We're gonna keep coming back here until you clean this bar up. Keep your eye on your neighbor. He drops something that belongs to you. What is this, a fucking hospital here? Huh? Turn around there, fella. What do we got here, huh? belong to you, huh? Stand up there, naughty. Get your hands on your fucking head. Get in there! You want to take a ride there, fat man?
3: Oh, bullshit.
1: Huh? Pay attention, we're going to ask questions later. Turn around. All right, shut up. Damn it. Shut up. Anybody want a milkshake? All right, come over here. You and you. Hey, Whiskers. Come over here. Move ass when Get I call in. you. Get in. You. Come on, you, Baldy. Come on. Come on, move. All right, put it on the bar. Come on. Get it on the bar. Get the hell in there. Put your hands on your head. All of it. Smart ass, you drop something. Pick it up. Want that hand broken? Get it up there. What else you got here, Turn around. You're under arrest, that goes for you too. Get that phone, come on. Move, move!
3: Pete,
1: Pete, that's Sit in there. All right, face the wall, put your hands against the wall and lock yourself in. Hey, you! Tucker, Where you going? You talking to me, baby? Yeah, I'm talking to you, come here. Get out, come on. What's happening, baby? Where you been, huh? I've been in there. You stand a toss? Sure, I'm clean. You shit? No, man. Oh, man. You, you dick Tracy, somebody. I said I was clean. I'm not going to get stuck, am I? No, I said I'm clean, didn't I? I do. You know what happens? Yeah, now? I said I'm clean. Oh, oh motherfucker. Don't fucking over me. I'll fuck your motherfucking ass. Oh, oh, fuck oh, you. you on yeah, come here. You fuck him, weird. Give me a nickel, man. Come on, come Give me a nickel. Come on, come on, come on. I told you I'm clean. Why the fuck you want to come down on me like oh, that? come, come on, down on
3: oh, oh, man. you the fuck. What the fuck was Everything. Everything's everything, baby.
1: Hey, how come there's nothing out there, man? That stuff's all milk. Ain't nothing around. Nobody's holding. Uh, I got a name for you. Si Brooklyn. Boca? Boca. Yeah. B-O-C-A. What about his wife, Angie? Doesn't register. There's been some talk, though. About what? Shipman. Coming in this week, week after, everybody's gonna get well. Well, who's bringing it? Who knows? Where do you want it? Uh, Where do you want it? Oh, shit. This side. Bitch! I'm gonna check on this address in the Bronx, and if they don't know you, they're at your ass. I thought I told you to stand there. Get that hair done before Saturday. We're going now. Goodbye. Who oh, yes. Tell everybody we'll be back in an
0: hour. Doyle and Buddy believe there's a connection between Sal Boca and a big-time lawyer named Joel Weinstock. Doyle and Buddy convince their captain to order a wiretap on, on the Boca store and at their home. The captain, of course, is played by the real-life Eddie Egan, who, again, Popeye Doyle, that character is based on. To say Popeye Doyle is a complicated character, that's an understatement. He's really one of those early anti-heroes that became so popular in the 1970s. So while you're technically supposed to be on his side as a viewer, he's so rough around the edges, which was uncommon for detective films for years prior that you had touches of this in film noir that it's tough to really get on his side. In many ways, the character of Charnay is far more likable then Doyle, with the exception of, you know, Charnay being a drug smuggler, but he's actually kind of a better guy all around. Doyle ends up sleeping or passing out at a local dive bar before starting work the next morning. And while driving home, he picks up a random woman who is riding a bike on the street. Doyle lives hard and he never lets up, but he's actually a very good detective. He's kind of like a street genius, but he lives on the edge constantly. Doyle and Buddy monitor the wiretaps on the Boca's and eventually hear about a potential buy from a man with a foreign accent. Also, two federal agents have been assigned to assist Doyle and Buddy on any bus they have, which neither side is happy about working with the other. They find Sal Boca meeting with Charnay and Nicoli. Federal agent Bill Mulderig tails Sal while Doyle and Buddy tail Charnay and Nicoli. This scene is terrific. It's deliberate. It's very well paced, and I really appreciate older films, especially in the 1970s, that would take their time and they would let scenes develop. Like seeing how cold it is outside while Doyle tries to stay warm as he watches Charnay inside of a warm restaurant. Now today, the film would skip all of these details because there's not enough action. Ironically, nonstop action is actually boring. You need to have to have a buildup and some nuance, or all the scenes seem the same. This is what *The French Connection* does. The buildup adds tension. Plus, the real locations and the real people, not extras, almost give a documentary style to the film. After leaving the restaurant, Doyle follows Charnay, while Bill follows Nicoli. Charnay goes to his hotel, and Doyle waits outside until nightfall on a stakeout. Eventually, Doyle was picked up in a car by Buddy and Bill. And this is where Charnay and Nikoli are nicknamed Frog One and Frog Two. We then discover what type of drug Charnay is smuggling. It's heroin, and it's high-quality smack, as Boca and Weinstock discover.
3: Last off. 180. 200. Good housekeeping seal of approval. 210. U.S. government certified. 220. Lunar trajectory. Junk of the month club sirloin steak. 230. Grade A poison,
1: absolute dynamite, 89% pure junk, best I've ever seen. If the rest is like this, you'll be dealing on this load for two years. So you tell me it's worth a half million. How many kilos? 60. 60
3: kilos, eight big ones a kilo,
1: right? This stuff'll take a seven-to-one hit on the street.
3: And by the time it get on the nickel bags, it'll be at least 32 million.
1: Thank you, Howard. Take what's left there with you, and good night. Uh-uh, not that one. The little one. I guess we got a deal, huh? What we got here, sounds is a test. A deal for half a million dollars? Maybe. Maybe? <laughs> come on, Joe. I don't know the guy's in a hurry. Wants to break, wants to go back to France. This guy's not gonna hang around and play games. Look, he's one of the shrewdest cats I ever come across. What am schmuck? What's the hurry? You could see a couple of shows. Visit the top of the Empire State Building. Don't jerk me, Weinstock. I spent a lot of time setting this one up. So what do you want, a badge? This is your first Major League game cell. One thing I learned, move calmly, move cautiously. You'll never be sorry.
2: Look, I've been damn careful up to now. This
1: is why your phone lines are tapped and the feds are crawling all over you like fleas. Ah. Look, I'm telling you, he'll take the deal somewhere else. Well, let him take his 60 kilos of heroin someplace else and find out how easy it is to put together a half a million in cash. He wouldn't find there's any hurry to do this kind of business. The stuff is here! We can make the switch in an hour! Look, Weinstock, I'm telling you, he'll split if we don't move. This guy's got him like that. He's
2: everything they say he is.
1: What about you, Sal? Are you everything they say you are?
0: As you just heard, the street value of this bundle is $32 million. And keep in mind, this is 1971, today it would be worth $224 million. Now the substance you see in the film was indeed real uncut heroin, according to director William Friedkin. Doyle continues to follow Charnay on foot, but loses him in a terrifically shot scene through the streets of New York City. Doyle eventually finds him due to Charnay's umbrella that he carries with him, and then this leads him to the subway. Charnay ends up making Doyle while on the subway car, which is really fun to watch as Charnay goes back and forth getting on and off of the stopped car, which drives Doyle nuts. Doyle then calls Bill from a phone booth. Thank you.
1: Hello. This is Doyle. I'm sitting on Frog One. Yeah, I know that. got the Westbury covered like a tent. The Westbury my ass. I got him on the shuttle at Grand Central. Now what the hell's going on up there? I make him come out of the hotel. He was free as a bird. He went on a soul awake. What The hell are you talking about? Yeah, well, uh, listen now. I don't care how many bartenders you got that are sick. Now, I'm not working that joint. That's right. Same to you, buddy. They get a grape drink.
0: Charnay finally loses Doyle when he quickly gets off the subway, then back onto the subway car and smugly waves at Doyle as the car departs, leaving Doyle incensed on the loading platform. Now that Charnay is positive he's being tailed, he meets with Sal in Washington, D.C. Sal needs some extra time, but Charnay makes it clear that the deal must be done by the end of the week. Now the pressure is on Sal to convince Weinstock to agree to the deal. There is a federal agent following Sal to DC and is played by the real detective, Sonny Grasso. Of course, this is who Roy Scheider's character, Buddy, is based on. On the short plane ride back from DC to New York, Nico Lee says he'll take care of the cop that is constantly following Charnay, that's Doyle. And just like we saw in the beginning of the film when Nico Lee killed the French detective. Alright, there's about 40 minutes left, and this is where the tension really builds up even further, and the action takes off. There's an on-foot and a car chase scene, which ends up on a train that is one of the best in film history. For me, it rivals the iconic car chase scene in Bullet with Steve McQueen. All real action, all real stunts, no CGI. It's so well done, just fabulous cinematography, and Gene Hackman really did drive the vehicle you see in the chase scene. Now, look, the ending is bleak and somewhat ambiguous and really typical of 1970s filmmaking. As you might know, there was a sequel to the film, which I will cover in the future. Now, again, the French connection truly brought gritty, realistic filmmaking to the forefront of the 1970s, and Popeye Doyle is definitely one of the top anti-heroes in film history. Any film buff must see this film at least once. Plus, Gene Hackman is one of the greatest actors of all time, and he's definitely one of my favorites. Alright, some fun facts. The film, again, was a huge financial success, but also a critical success and was nominated for eight Oscars and it won five of them. It won Best Picture, Best Director for Freakin', Best Actor for Hackman, Best Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Now, it lost Best Supporting Actor of Roy Scheider to Ben Johnson for The Last Picture Show. It also lost Best Cinematography and Best Sound to Fiddler on the Roof. Now, Director William Freakin later admitted in his biography that he almost didn't make it to the Oscar ceremony when he won his Best Director Academy Award. His car broke down at the gas station. So he asked the first person he saw if he could borrow his car. And the man initially refused because he was supposed to take his wife on a date that evening. But he eventually relented after Freakin offered him $200. The man's only condition was that Freakin called the wife in order to explain to him why the date was called off. After winning the Oscar, the man waived his right to the money, only asking Freakland to call and explain the situation to the man's wife, which Freakin did. Now, the actors that were considered for Popeye Doyle instead of Gene Hackman included Paul Newman, he was too expensive, Jackie Gleason, Peter Boyle, Charles Bronson, Lee Marvin, James Caan, Robert Mitchum, and Rod Taylor. Steve McQueen didn't want to be typecast with another cop movie after Bullet, he was also too expensive, like Paul Newman. Now, the Popeye's Chicken restaurant chain is named not after the cartoon character, but actually the character of Popeye Doyle, of course, from this movie. So having participated in the making of this film, Detective Eddie Egan decided to retire from the NYPD and start a career in Hollywood. The NYPD, however, brought charges against him for minor errors in reporting and handling of evidence. Now, in Egan's trial, director William Friedkin testified on his behalf, and Roy Scheider was also present. Egan was dismissed from the police force just hours before his retirement, and his pension was taken away. The decision was later appealed in court and reversed. So while filming that legendary car chase scene, Freakin needed approval from the New York Transit Authority. He laid out exactly what he needed, which the TA employee responded, To approve this, I'll need $40,000 in a one-way ticket to Jamaica. When asked why it would be one-way, he replied, Because Mr. Freakin, when your picture comes out, I'm going to be fired. Director William Friedkin and the producers complied with the man's request. The scene ended up becoming one of the most notoriously dangerous ever film, after which the TA employee was promptly fired for negligence. His current whereabouts are unknown, but probably in Jamaica. All right, great film. You gotta see it. Two guys that saw the film and love it. That's Metal Mike Tyler. And Bill Roseberry, who you can hear on the Metal Mike Show every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on thatmetalstation.com. They join me. And what's special about this interview is we did it in person for the first time ever because we were all joined in Nashville early this March at the Great Rockin' Pod Expo. So you get to hear us live in a hotel room. A lot of fun. We talk about the French Connection and many other things. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. We are live in Nashville, which is amazing. So for the first time ever, I'm meeting Bill Roseberry, which is terrific in person. I've already met Metal Mike, so we're we're all buddies and everything. Wow. But we're we're here in Nashville at the Rockin Pod, which is amazing. And this is why we do it is so we can all meet in person. We're all buddies offline, but one you know it's it's better to meet in person for sure. So we're gonna pivot from that to talk about the French Connection. And um, and again, have you got? Obviously, you guys saw this movie before you started watching it here. But what? Oh, sure. who introduced it? Was your parents? Was it, and we'll, we'll start with Bill on this one, but was it your parents or, you know, was it something that was, I love Gene Hackman, I got to go through his
3: filmography? Uh, it's kind of that mm-hmm. because I, I didn't see it until I was an adult, mm-hmm. I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Gene Hackman's an Illinois guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he grew up on the... Uh, eastern Edge, Illinois, right by Indiana, kind of northern, Danville, Illinois is where he's from. So I've always been kind of infatuated with him. So funny enough, him, Dick Dick Van Dyke, and Jerry Van Dyke all went to high school and grew up in Danville. Okay. And they're all r- roughly the same age, mm-hmm. you know. And then there was a jazz musician, too, and his name escapes me. But I used to work with a collegiate-level summer league baseball team, and they had an old... Stadium there in Danville, we travel and play mm-hmm. a team. It used to be a Brooklyn Dodgers minor league stadium. They actually shot the Babe there with uh, John Goodman. But they <laughs> well, have... we'll never be talking about that movie. <laughs> Don't worry. So yeah, <laughs> so the um, the diner in town has a big photograph, and this is from like the nineties. Okay, of that jazz musician Gene Hackman, Jerry Van Dyke, and Dick Van Dyke all standing together next to their Welcome to Danville sign, uh-huh. and it's a huge photo hanging inside this diner I mean so yeah I mean I think just because of all that stuff I mean there was always a connection for me to Gene Hackman but I mean you know there's a lot of movies from from my youth and and, and stuff that I kind of grew up on him so I'd go back and kind of watch some of his older stuff yeah I got older. and what's interesting before we get to Mike
0: he almost always plays a villain if you think about it I mean, it's it, they're kind of heavy roles really the only time he doesn't play a villain and even the, then he has an edge is Hoosiers Right, you know, yeah. but again so Mike, what was it just big fan and, and I got it, nothing. You got
2: No, uh, Gene Hackman, well I mean I, I think my earliest memory and I had not seen this movie in years uh, was I was just a kid, mm-hmm. and I think I watched it with my dad. Yeah, and it's a dad you know, movie, which my father yeah. loves Gene Hackman. Yeah, so he was like, "Yeah, you got to watch this movie. He's got one of the greatest car chases ever, yeah. right up there sure. with Bullet. Bullet." I remember, Cameron. and I was For just sure. a kid, and I was like, "That's Bull State, my Dad." You know, <laughs> that's what I thought, but he was right. Um, but that was my earliest recollection of the movie. But I was a Gene Hackman fan just from all the other movies he's done. I mean obviously I'm a big comic book geek, so he played Lex Luthor Absolutely. And the first Superman and and then um Hoosiers and Crimson Tide and I God, I don't know how many I mean he's made so many great films That's right. you know, so uh, What's interesting, I found out that him and Dustin Hoffman were in the same acting class, I believe in Juilliard, yeah. and they both graduated like at the bottom of
3: their right. class. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's crazy. And how many Academy Awards oh, or nominations right. yeah. they and have And how many combined? years it took
2: for them to come
0: finally together and run away jury. Right, right. Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. Um, John Grisham book. John Grisham book. So when, uh, you guys have seen Bonnie and Clyde, Right. Yes, that time ago. Yeah, that's yeah. basically his breakout. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and then if people forget it. Gene Wilder's in that too. That yes. was his very yes. first movie. Mm-hmm. So I, it was six years, six to seven years from Bonnie and Clyde. He stars in this, right? Um, no, actually, no. This came out in seventy one, didn't it? Yes. So, okay, so it was four years. Um, we were talking about this before we started. He's the anti hero here. He's not a great guy. The original Popeye Doyle, <clears throat> excuse me, was not a, a great guy either. So how do you watch a movie like this where is it almost like Tony Soprano or Walter White where this guy's doing a lot of fucked up things, but you're still rooting for him because the narrative is he's the hero? How how do you handle that, Mike?
2: one, One difference, though, I think is... I mean, with Walter White especially, his characters in evolution you know, he sure. doesn't start out that way I mean that's the whole point in the last episode of Better Call Saul where don't you know, tell me I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, <laughs> <never mind. laughs> but there's but there's a really cool scene that you're going to like yeah um, but for, for me it, it's a little different Tony Soprano though but it's like the Godfather absolutely right? you know like you know, you know they portray him like oh well yeah he's a gangster but he looks out for the people in his neighborhood and he does what he has to do for his family kind of thing and where with Michael Corleone, uh, yeah, not so much. <laughs> but with Popeye, man, it's like at first, well, the way he talks is stuff, I'm like, well, fuck, it's 1971. He's an old school guy. You just
3: got to take it to contemporary. It's contemporary. And, and a lot movie, of people, know. the old timers
2: just talk that way. Yeah. It's the difference between talking that way and going to a Klan rally, folks. Right.
0: And he's in New York. And- right. Yeah, did, yeah. um,
2: right. But um, it's a it's a well-acted movie. It's a well-done movie. But you're right. He's not a very likable dude. No. You no. Know? And kind of remains an unlikable dude. I'll, like he does some shit in this movie. Like towards the end, I was like, "What?" Yeah. And the ending. Yeah. yeah I don't want to
3: give you, you old, the ending. no. You it's can't. Very abrupt, folks. It's, it's very abrupt, and
2: there's a sequel,
3: so yeah, we'll your, eventually get his reaction to that. The ending is is what's probably the part where you're just kind of like, that's. What, I mean, that's the time when I was like, "Man, this guy is truly a dick." Yeah. You know, but and comparing him to people like. You're you're comparing him to a mafia person that, that killed people yeah. and a and a guy who made meth and, and yeah. sold it to people. No, he was <laughs> he was still ultimately trying to do good. Sure, he's trying, but he's just he's, he's very obsessive over stuff. Right, like, he's like He hey, absolute train wreck. Yeah, that's a good. That's but a good.
0: ethically, I'm not sure he always did the right thing either. That's the thing. So I mean, he would he plan evidence to get a commit even, even if it was. They knew the guy was dirty, and so there's that ethical part of it, and that's more what I was leaning to. Right, and you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but again, it's tricky to watch movies like that where I, again, I'm rooting for him too. But in many ways, the quote unquote frog is kind of more genteel. Kind of, Mm -hmm. he's more well liked. (laughs) In many ways, maybe even more honorable in some ways. Man, he was smooth.
3: He was incredibly smooth. So smooth. I mean, he was. I mean, he was cool as a cucumber, man. Absolutely. He never lost it. Never. The part where they're following each other around, the way he runs Popeye around, yep. you know, and finally gets him on the, you know, gets him off of the subway there. That's right. Is classic. How it's like lays. watching a, Yes. It's like watching Tom and Jerry or the Roadrunner and, and Wile E. Coyote And that's stuff. a perfect way. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. So there's also a side character. Obviously, Roy Scheider's in it. He's amazing. Right. How do you guys feel about him and, and other people in the in the film?
3: Uh, yeah, Roy was great. I thought they they played off each other really well. Um, <laughs> damn Apple Watch. So, well, actually, we should just do this as Chat Chat GBT. I don't even need you guys anymore. I can yeah, just
0: like ask right. questions and they can give me your answers. Yeah. <laughs> what will I Bill like? Say? Roy Scheider. <laughs> yeah. He
3: was great. He
0: was <laughs> great. <grander, yeah. laughs> Check out Jaws. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So Roy, Roy Scheider
3: for you. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought he was great. They they had a, a great. Um, you know, give and take Reform, in that movie yeah. and, and uh, he's a guy that I think is probably a little underrated actor yeah. overall. I mean, Roy's, Roy's been great in just about everything I've, I've ever seen him in. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I thought those guys were, were really good together. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of some of the other characters. Well, like you said, the, the, for, for the Frog one. Frog he, one, yeah. He was great. In the... Uh, the Italian guy, I can't remember his name, the yeah. actor, but I mean, he ended up going on. He's been in a lot of things as a character actor yes. for years. I mean, I think he, he, I think he might have been on Sopranos episodes. Yeah, yeah I um, think you're right. Yeah, I think he might even had a bit part in The Goodfellas. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I know he's done a lot of that, the mafia type stuff. Yeah. I thought he was great in it too. So. And it's funny because Roy Scheider, you, you just think Jaws for yeah. many people, or. But,
0: well, yeah, I mean, he's a marathon man too. But you really just think Jaws, but you forget how many great films he's oh, really. Oh, yes, in, you know? absolutely. He was in all that jazz and and, all, and yeah. movies like well, that. Well, I think a very
2: underrated movie of his is Fifty Two Pick.
0: Yeah, I think. with Anne Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a like any game. six. So, how did you feel about Roy Scheider? Same thing. Oh,
2: yeah, pretty much. My opinion echoes Bill. I yeah. thought he was great. I think Roy's one of those guys. Pretty much is great in everything he does yeah. and did, and. um yeah uh, it's just a really cool movie very well directed of course I expect nothing less from no, William Friedman that's right even though I had heard that he would do things sometimes that was a little questionable yeah. with his actors and stuff like uh for instance, we all know he did the Exorcist. Yes, the guy absolutely. Who played the young priest, man. He would like fire off a gun close to you to get you to jump. Jumpy. Or, and he and the actor said, "Man, that really pissed me off." I was like, "I told him, dude, you ever do that again, I'm going to knock you out, man." <laughs> you know? Kind wow. of stuff. So yeah, he was. a that's little... That's crazy. Yeah, he was a little different era of filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. he was a little um, intense, from what I can understand.
0: Well, speaking of different era, I mean, look, why many people love the '70s is the grittiness. I mean, this oh, is a so raw great. film, and that's why I think people adore this film. It feels like New York, like it oh, didn't feel I- like. Like they got per- or they didn't get permits or like they were doing like guerrilla filmmaking like yeah I
3: mean yeah. And, and, and Popeye was I mean he, he was a he was an all-inclusive racist I absolutely he hated uh, everyone I, I think he had a, um, a racial slur for everybody you could think everyone. of in that movie yep. I was like you could not write that dialogue you can't but it's its re- I mean there were people like that mean, and there were definitely people like that in the police it's force it's a contemporary movie you yeah. gotta take it to sign of the times And the and Mike brought up the car chase yeah I mean I one of the all time greats oh. I mean I mean I to me it's Bullet Bullet 1 and then um, Mission Impossible 2 uh, fr- <laughs> <no>. French <laughs> Connection might be too I just know
0: Metallica Netflix. ripped off Bullet for the music video before I Disappear for that movie yeah, yeah.
3: and and then uh that, that, well, that's a terrible
0: movie. I know uh, I just want to I'm to get a bill meltdown you going to try and get a bill meltdown
3: yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah so French uh, uh, Bullet French yeah. Connection and then Ronin, which oh, I know we're going to do gonna soon, do that. Yep. And, and one we already did was um, Born Identity no and, doubt um, those I think are the greatest car chase scenes in my book yeah, know, yeah. the ones I've seen I so.
2: concur yeah
3: <laughs> So from your recent review, I ask this all the time, from your recent
0: reviewing, was there anything new you guys picked up from it?
2: Well, for me, yeah. i got to be honest, it was almost like watching it all over again, Brian, because it had been so long. Yeah. Success. I don't know why. I mean, I like the French Connection. I always did, but it was just one of those movies I didn't go back to for whatever reason. Sure. So I really enjoyed the film, you know, and, and I'm definitely, like, I can see why everybody made such a uh, big deal of this film. Sure. Because I think it, it was huge to it. Sweeping the Oscars, it
0: did, man, it did.
2: So uh, you know, and that's when the Oscars actually fucking meant yeah. something.
0: Well, if you go through the '70s, you think about the Oscar-winning films. Oh yeah. my French God, French Connection, Sting, The Godfather's, Jaws, Rocky. Like, yeah, it's amazing. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the '80s is actually as much as I love my '80s movies. The the Academy Award winners are shit.
2: Most like who of won? Them, yeah.
0: Like they're not great films. Well, we're gonna go off on a tangent here because yeah. it's always kind of fun. So in 1986, who do you think won Best Picture?
3: 86
0: So it would have been for The 85 films Far and away? No But it's kind of like That type of movie I'll give you that Oh Um Out of Africa Yes But what stands the test of time? Back to the future Or Out of Africa? No, Exactly yes, yeah. Nobody gives a fuck about Out of Africa Was
3: Back to the future Even up for? No Maybe no. for
0: special
2: effects yeah, movies like that were totally snubbed. I mean, today
0: Back to the Future might have won because look yeah. at everywhere all one, like all that just went. just swept. Yeah, I mean that
3: doesn't win anything without Back to the Future and Matrix and all those type oh, yeah, of movies. True, you know. I uh, I think that Tom Hanks and Big yeah. is what kind of changed the game for for that genre of movie though because sure. when he got obviously didn't win, mm-hmm. man, I forgot who he lost to. Somebody. Yeah. Big, yeah, yeah, fantastic. No, yeah. yeah, no pun intended, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, he was, um, I mean, him being a young comedic, amazing actor performance and getting up for for best actor, yeah. I mean, that kind of changed the game. You started seeing comedic roles come in, and that's right, and, and things like that. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, for look, best look
2: picture, at Kevin so. Klein with the fish called one, that's right, and, yeah, you know,
3: and mm-hmm. uh, yep.
2: You, you you are right though. I think that's when the because before that but you weren't seeing it. Wasn't the 60s Trump, and if it 70s, wasn't dramatic, you so. wouldn't win in the yeah, Oscars. That's it didn't right. matter how yeah. great of a comedic performance mm-hmm. it was, you know. And as far as genre films, pff, forget it, yeah. man. You was never going to see a science fiction or. A it's
0: fantasy. weird how it had evolved because in the early days of filming, mean, one. Oh, it's a famous uh, Cork Gable and Claudette Colbert movie It happened one evening. Oh, at night That's a comedy It is, like. and it so is. It, did, it did kind of evolve Over time And yeah. hopefully it swings back I mean, I think right. Comedies deserve it Well, um, yeah. comedies Aren't any good now, though that's a good point. <laughs> They're too self-aware. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: okay. We'll quickly touch upon it because eventually we will cover this movie because I do own it. Have you guys seen? I don't think you've seen French Connection two yet. Bill. I have not. I have not. Really? You okay? So you guys got to watch that. So it's it's pretty brutal. It's yeah. It's definitely. I don't. I don't find it as good not as the as first good. one, but you do get a wrap up of the story frog so. one's back in it right of course yeah of course I mean, he ends up in France so okay. most of it's in France so. yeah. oh yeah. okay yeah, yeah. yeah right. and Popeye and Popeye, France, Popeye goes so. after yeah. him, man but there's about okay so the comparison I can make is like in Rocky 2 they spend way too much time with Adrian being sick mm-hmm. they spend way too much time with Popeye Dol- Doyle going through his turmoil so oh, okay. have you seen it Jason <laughs> okay yeah, there's a, that's all I'll say about it. But it's it's brutal. Scene. Well, I definitely right. want
2: to check it out, especially yeah. since I just seen the first film. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the second.
0: Yeah, it came out. What's good is it only came out a couple years after. Right. I think it came out seventy so four. Wait
2: like thirty. Years no, no. So they could have done
0: that. Um, okay. To wrap up, what are all? Give me your top three or four Gene Hackman films.
3: Uh, I'll go ahead. And go on. Um, yeah. Uh, Unforgiven. No doubt. Hoosiers. Yep. And this, French Connection, I, for me, I I think I'd put, I I love him in the firm, too. Oh, absolutely. He's great. He's, you know, he's so sleek. It's like, but there's good in him, but it's buried way down in there. And you see it come out. The firm made him like that. Yeah, exactly. He was great. He was, Tom Cruise, because we did the firm earlier. Yeah. I know we we talked about this, but, you know, Tom Cruise saw that that's what he was going to become. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was, he, he was great in that. It yeah. Really great. How about you, Mike? Well,
2: Unforgiven, um, he was just brilliant yeah. in that role. Um, I think he's great in Crimson Tide. I, I'm not ranking them. I'm just no, talking about no, no, there. Them, yeah. um, of course, Superman, um, Hoosiers. I don't
0: think he gets enough credit for playing Lex Luthor.
2: Yeah, I thought he was great Man. as Lex Luthor. Um, Hoosiers.
3: Yeah. Conversation. I'll, yeah, the conversation. Oh, yeah. I just completely, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. I just watched it. Yeah. Mississippi Burning. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. brilliant in that. Brilliant in that. I yeah. just finished watching that yeah. before I came down I'll here. give you another but better The fun. French Connection, of uh, course, uh, you know. Hey, he plays the blind
0: guy in Young Frankenstein. Uh-huh.
3: Right. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Great. He was great. Yeah, yeah. he was great. That too.
0: And oh. that's the first thing, yeah. That, you don't think of comedy with him, but he's great in the role of bombs. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah, and
0: I, I've never seen that.
3: Um, yeah. But uh,
0: didn't... Uh, we get the we get the thumbs up from Lindsay, who's in the closet right now. Well, that's a whole other
3: so, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: there's a lot going on. Yeah, right. there's a lot going DJs on. For CDs in, in here. And yeah, hasn't been kicked out yet.
0: So again, listen listen <laughs> to the podcast, folks. Listen to the plug. They'll, they're going to talk
3: about that. But yeah. of course, we got our, our French connection here. You that's know? right. Yeah, you tell know? me. Yeah, yeah, because you know most people Ian Wadley. Yeah. Ian Wadley is you know his middle name's Pierre. He's yeah. French.
0: So,
3: yeah. <laughs> He's self-hating French. <laughs> yeah, <guy. laughs> <laughs> self-hating French. Guy. Listen to the rock. Metal
0: Combat <laughs> podcast, you'll get all of that, folks. But uh, it's all right. Look, we're all here for this for the same reason. We've had an awesome weekend. I, I can't stress enough that if you're just into podcasting or just music or anything, or just want to hang out in Nashville, it's so much fun. I mean, we've had an amazing weekend together. So, I mean, yes, it brought us I mean, this brought us all together. I mean,
2: oh, it's oh. amazing, yeah. I mean, and meeting people I hadn't met before, just like the last time, yeah. I mean, just reconnecting with people I've known before, having these guys come down with me, man, and everything. It's just amazing. Yeah,
3: um, I mean, yeah. I just think it's, it's amazing that when you think about where we're all coming from, you know, we're coming from St. Louis, you're San Francisco, yeah. Mark's L.A., you know ralph miami yeah, in seattle, seattle you know Charles bushy's Traynor, coming he came from, coming poland. from poland yeah came oh. here from poland yeah. yeah you know bushy's coming from north carolina, north carolina. Yep. i mean there are verno was here from rochester new york yeah. I mean, and we you know we all get to see each other right here it's like it's great yeah it's like, it really is much like a
2: fraternity sorority a big family you
0: know yeah well, I think even Mark, Mark put it the best, Mark Aldo, He's like, it's like a family reunion without the drama. You know, yeah, It's like yeah. we're all happy. To yeah, there's Bush no
2: crazy uncles. There's no
0: this crazy one. uncles. Except for
3: Ian. Ian's a crazy uncle. And, and, and Bushy's the, uh, the the cousin that you're ashamed of. That's you know,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, again, so it was funny because we just mentioned um, God uh, Grisham. We will be covering the client. So we're gonna talk about that okay. at some point,
3: that because I know you love Christian. Yeah, adaptation. let me know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Exactly. We done a Tommy Tommy Lee Jones it's, movie. It's yet. my first. You know I mean? Well, there's okay. another one that's all right. We'll go off on tangent
0: here. He's, he got started later in life. He had been around for yes. about 25 years before.
3: God, his, big his, Cole, his big break was his big break was coal miner's daughter. I think which I still haven't watched. Yeah. and I want to. Was he? Um, he played uh, Keith Whitley, he, right? He played the husband. Yeah. yeah, and Keith Whitley, yeah. I guess, was a drunken asshole. Yes, he from was. What I've ever heard. So, but they, even then, remember. like the '80s,
0: it was—he was just a working actor. So, yeah, it's—it's yeah, it's been his. Career evolution
2: has been. I think the movie that really put him in the map as far the fugitive? as mainstream, yes. Yeah. Fugitive I mean, I right. was a big Tommy yeah. Lee Jones fan, yeah. and I knew who he was, you know. But it was almost like he was considered more of a character totally. actor. Totally. But when he did The Fugitive and then won the Oscar for yeah. it, boom. He and, then, and
0: then he in Men in Black. Black, yeah, yeah. And they used pretty much everything. So. He was great in Men in Black. And he got the one of the Batman movies, so yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah well, let's not talk about yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we will eventually, so because yeah. we're we're gonna be doing Superman and Batman '89, so that'll be good. But again. Thank you guys for doing this so much. It's great to meet in person, Bill. So yeah, is,
3: absolutely, man. So. Yeah, you're going to have to come to St. Louis. We're going to have to go to Cardinals. Absolutely. yeah. have got to make
2: the trek to his neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. He, he
3: needs to come see what real baseball is on. There you go. Oh. Yeah. That's well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Three World Series wins and, and what? What? Five years. Not, not, yet. not, it's not bad. Not, that's not eleven. It's not eleven, but hey, well, they won. I'm good for the rest of my life. It's like the 49ers. Like they won. Yeah. They won in the eighties and nineties. I'm good. So. Yeah. The only
3: the only one that can they can talk shit to me about baseball yeah. is Jimmy Neff. I fair enough to the Yankees, the but twenty seven Trumps eleven. Yeah. But hey, yeah. you guys are <laughs> damn good. So speaking
0: of that, damn good movie members. Thank you guys again. You can hear Bill and Mike on the Metal Mike Show every Friday night on ThatMetalStation.com starting at 8pm Eastern Time and it's great it's like this and it's just laid back and well, they play with, great music with killer music with yeah. killer music and like, of
2: course you can find me on the Plug Podcast that's right Bushy music and more and
0: you'll hear all of the recap
2: about all that too on oh, the I, rocket pod man me and all charles frying. was just dying yeah. well you know i'll, I'll talk about sure mike but anyway yeah D, dj ocd you get to that's talk, right on
3: thursday night you get to talk about getting kicked out of a bar in i rocket know in right. downtown nashville on your show <laughs> what's it, reasonable volume what times? Yeah. it yeah it's uh
0: seven thirty eastern time
3: okay every thursday night
0: yep all right and again if i would have lost the bet of people that are going to get kicked out of the bar, the last guy I would have picked. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I was absolutely. stunned. Yeah.
2: I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I thought I knew this guy. I'm uh, oh,
0: pod legend. I know. Right. Forever. Forever. <laughs> For- immortalized OCD. <laughs> Thank you again, guys. All right.
2: Thanks.
1: If this going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potatoes.
0: If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video in San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad B. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.